Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper on AFR Talk. This is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for listening today, and we count it a joy for you to be those in the, quote, listening audience. I remember uh, watching and hearing TV and listening to radio, and they'd say the listening audience. And I always wondered who that was, and that was me. And uh, now uh, I'm I'm part of the people that welcome people to of the listening audience. Alongside me is our co-host Nathan Harper. Nathan, it's good to always have you, brother. Yes, again, it's good to be here. And if you wonder about the last names, yes, I'm one generation. He's the next generation, and uh, we enjoy this time that we are able to work together. And we have a third person today in the studio that we're interviewing. It's Rob Gardner. Welcome, Rob. Good day to y'all. It's good to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. And I remember this this one over here, Nathan, uh, mm-hmm. as a little tyke years ago. <laughs> let, let me relate that. He's not that. a little tyke anymore. No, he's no. not. I shouldn't say how old I am, right? <laughs> yeah. Years ago, uh, I was pastoring here in Tupelo, and I had the privilege of being pastor of Buddy and Kay Bain, who did a morning show in Northeast Mississippi on the local television program, and every Christmas they'd do a special. And on this particular day, they asked their me, their pastor, if they could come to our home and me read the Christmas story with my family gathered around. And in one of those weak moments, I said yes, not thinking about three boys, one yeah. first grader and the other preschoolers active and Rob had their DNA or their dad in it, which is kind of hyper and excitable. And so Buddy and Kay comes with their crew, okay? And I know two members of that crew. One was Gerald Stanford, just, and later I'd be his pastor, and the other was Rob Gardner, and later we'd be working together. But I still remember that, and I know you remember. Amazing, uh, amazing times a long time ago. How old are you, Nathan? Well, I'm 40 years old. <laughs> 40 years old. So, you know, that— uh, Probably that 30 years of, ago, maybe? Yeah, at least. You were—no, it was about 35, I guess. <laughs> it was. Oh, uh, how time flies when time you're having flies. fun. It does. And who would have ever thought at that time that I would be where I am in my walk with Christ, which I was not with my walk with Christ at that time— hmm. Uh, I knew who he was. I knew and believed in God, but I had no—I did not have Christ living in my heart. And um, there's a big difference. And he's made that difference. He has made a difference. He sure has a a huge difference. Well, Rob works here at AFR, and uh, he he does a lot of things. And uh, he works with Brian Fisher, uh, a guy that I love. Uh, he comes on on the weekdays from 1 to 3 with Focal Point, and Rob runs the board, and even in the conversation, uh, he's part of it, does a lot of the clips and does all those things. It's a very important part of the ministry at AFR, Focal Point, and what Rob does. But Rob is so much more here, uh, and I say this truthfully, when I came on board very quickly, 
I found out that Rob is one of those people that all the people go to for prayer. Isn't that, a, isn't that awesome to be a guy that, hey, I need to go see Rob and, and share with him so he'll be praying for me. Joseph Parker's another one of those guys that yes, sir. people want to go to. But, Rob, uh, I want you to tell your story a little bit. You've already talked about 35 years ago. You were not a believer. You were not a follower. What brought you to Christ? Um, longing for something that I was missing, the emptiness in my heart. Um, my daughter, she had a lot to do with uh, with the fact that that I came to uh, came to the Lord. And uh, I think, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to share a verse. You go right ahead, brother. Um, this this set of verses not only spoke to me, but it spoke and speaks to many people. And it's from Titus chapter 3, and you know where I'm going, uh, 3 through uh, 7, I believe it is. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves of many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But, I love it when the Bible says but, because God's fixing to do something. But, when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Amen. Confidence? Confidence. And uh, that confidence has changed your life, hasn't it? It has. I've been observant, and again, not knowing you well, but knowing you B.C., before Christ, right. and now knowing you after that, uh, the difference. The, yeah, the confidence, the best part is the joy, though. It's, it's amazing um, uh, what he is able to do with uh, anybody. If he, could, if he transformed me the way that he did, he can do that for anyone uh, I, you know, I lived way outside. I was my my sin was multitude of sins. It was really gluttony, alcohol, you know, food, whatever. I was three hundred and thirty pounds. I'm two hundred pounds now, and I work out every day. And you carry it well. You know, a lot of that's muscle, man. Well, it, I'm it's, telling it's, you, muscle weighs heavy. Yeah, <laughs> I always said that that's when my I was excuse. Yeah, <laughs> I, that was what I always said when I was 330 pounds. Well, why, did, muscle, why, you know? why do you think I brought that up? Now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. At what age were you when you came to Christ? All right. It was 2007 on July 1st is my birthday. Hmm. Um, I, so you're coming up on 10 years. Right. 10 years, and uh, it coincided about the same time I came to work here. I'd say, I, you know, back in— You had a longing, even way as a lost person, you had a longing, didn't you? I did. Um, I had started attending the church I go to, the Orchard in That's Tupelo. That's here in Tupelo, Mississippi. And um, uh, my daughter uh, got me to go, and uh, the first time I went there, the Lord met me there mm. and uh, touched me. And that was uh, uh, nine months. Nine, God works in those nine-month segments of birth and stuff. 
But uh, we went in October, and then in July of that year, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. So the next year. Right. We started there in 06. In October of 06, I started to work here in February of uh, 07. Mm. So I thought I was good to go. You know, I thought I knew because I, I knew who God was and I believed in God. I'm, you know, I'm good to go. And then God started working mm. on me and um, basically said, you know, Rob, I've got a, another plan for you. And it's one to prosper you mm-hmm. and not destroy you. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in that in that period of time, however long it was, where you f- you felt like you were okay because you did believe in God and you knew about Jesus. Um, would you say it was more like mental, like you just agreed with certain things? But how how was it different from just knowing something and actually believing in? Boy, it's, uh, and following Jesus, it's just transformation, I guess. Um, when you when you ex- the the work started when I accepted Christ, the work in me, mm. um, I started desiring God's word. I, I I started desiring knowing more about God. I I started, um, um, you know, the the alcohol, overeating, all that. Uh, slowly disappeared. It didn't just automatically disappear, uh, but it slowly disappeared. And that made, uh, uh, you know, you you just, I don't know how to explain other than the fact that it was change Mm. and it wasn't immediate. It wasn't all at one time. It was a slow change to, to a better vessel for him to use. Mm. You know what changes immediately? Direction. Direction. Exactly. The That's, direction changes yeah. immediately. The lifestyle. Yeah. It's a turnaround. Repentance. Yeah, it's, it's re- repentance is changing your mind. I'm not going in that direction. I'm headed in God's direction. But then he starts, you know, trimming away those things. And the more, the more, only thing I know, the more junk you have, the, the more junk that falls away, Rob. And, uh, and for some of us, it's a lot of outward things. For some of us, it's a lot of inward things, pride, arrogance, which, listen, when you think uh, Paul said about the body and uh, he said the church is the body, when you think about the body, which things are the most important, the things that are seen or not seen, the things that are not seen, like your brain, your heart, in our Christian lives, and I'm talking mainly to Bert Harper because I saved it at 12 and through God's grace, I didn't get into gross, uh, a lot of habitual sin. But, brother, I had attitudes that stunk. I had, you know, thoughts, bigotry, the whole bit. And those those were damaging. Yeah. And God started working in my life as well, trimming those away. There's no, you know, we think of outward. Everybody sees it. But the inward. Yeah. I mean, you think about Paul, he, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. But his outward appearance, he was clean as a whistle. He had, he had nothing legally, you know, relig- the religious Jewish law. He kept that completely. He said he was perfect yeah. in that area, complete. But what made him the chief of sinners was the internal, internal. Uh, condition of his, ho- of his heart. Listen, we, and one of the things that I, in the, in, and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but in the ministries that, that uh, God's blessed me with, 
is getting people to understand that uh, you're a work in progress yeah. and that, no, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to backslide. You're going to do things that that you look back and you go, Lord, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. And then you go back to repentance. Yeah. We have a God of, of U-turns. He allows those. Yes. We make mistakes, and he says, hey, that's okay. Know where you went. Come back to me. I accept you with open arms. Okay. Uh, there I did it. Okay. If I repeat myself on okay, guys, uh, we can't edit it out because we record it live. And uh, <laughs> we, we've talked about these transition words that we make. And I found mine, so I and it's I'm working on not saying it all the time. But guess what? It slips in. That sounds like sin, doesn't it? Very much. It does. Okay, (laughs) here we go. The transition from being saved to serving, and that's what I wanted to talk about. As you were saved in July of '07, did you have an immediate awareness? You you said things dropped off of you gradually. What about serving? and serving God and serving others, did that come on gradually as well? Or did um, it, was it immediate? Or? It, was, um, it was faster than the other drifted away. Uh, there I go with my favorite word, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that uh, it, it was uh, there go. amazing how, how it came faster and faster and faster. It just it was like a snowball rolling down a hill. It got bigger and bigger. God called me. Uh, I had ridden motorcycles for years and years, and he called me into the motorcycle ministry full time. So I, I dealt in that motorcycle ministry, ministering to the guys and gals on the highways and byways. I had been riding motorcycles for many years. But I'd, and I'd actually ridden with a, a Christian motorcycle group for a long time before I knew Christ hmm. because I liked riding with them. They were a good group to ride with. We had a good time. They, they rode hard, and, and it was just a good group. You mean Christians can ride their motorcycles oh, hard? They can play football hard and basketball? Yeah, you bet you. Yeah, they, we can, can't you we? Bet you. Yeah. you bet you. But. Over the, over that period of time, he kept you know used me. We even uh, planted a biker church. Mm-hmm. I worked with three other brothers, and we got together and and uh, and worked through the Book of Acts. Prepared the church, prepared our hearts to do that, and started a biker church. And I felt called out of that uh, to back to the the road ministry, and uh, which I did. So God's moved me around, and he's also showed me that he takes some things out of your life, and then all of a sudden you get something else, pride. Mm-hmm. I dealt with some pride issues. I was state elder for biker ministry. I was a pastor at the biker church. Pride jumped in there, and I could see that this was destroying me and my, and my ability to minister. So I just prayed about it and uh, felt like God was calling me out. There were three other brothers in that church that could do the job. They didn't have to have me there, and I, I needed to move on. It was just that time. Isn't that a um, – there, there, you're, what you're talking about, I think any of us that have been involved in any sort of ministry at whatever level, whether, whether it's in a local church or uh, an organization, 
at any at any level. You know, I think we've all can say there is that goes along with that. There is that temptation of how pride can you know worm its way in into uh, into our lives, and you know that religious pride is is really dangerous. It's really you know it's really bad and corrupting. Um, but we've all experienced that. But it seems to you know God doesn't leave us alone on that. He doesn't leave us just hanging out there on a limb. He he deals with us. He he points out those sins, and I think for a lot of people, myself included. When we come to the realization that others can do this, I'm not the only one. Right. It doesn't depend on me. That's, you know, it, it's a shock to our pride, but at the same time, it's a freeing feeling. Like, oh, I can, I don't have to carry this all on, my, on myself. I've been trying to do it in my own strength. I've been trying to carry this by myself. And look, God's put people around here who can do it better than I can. Yes, I can just let it go, and and let God take control of that. It's amazing that, the, and it was a freeing um, uh, experience. That that that, you know, God, you've got something else for me. I don't know what it is. I'm sort of in that transition now. Yeah. I mean, um, I'll, I always, and I, I don't know whether it's me or whether God just wants to sort of move me around. I, you know, sometimes I think I get. I get too antsy to do something more or do something else, but have you ever heard of your spiritual shape, S H A P E, uh, your spiritual gifts, your heart, uh, your abilities, uh, your personality, and your experiences? That spells shape with the first letter of those words. Heart, your passion, can change. Okay, I know people that that because they had a ministry. They think they've got to continue it, and and in that ministry, it wanes, and yeah. it does. I, I hate to say this, but it does a lot more damage in them staying in it. And God's not expecting you to get out of ministry, but it may be in a new direction. Speaking of that, that's where I wanted. I want. I want to make sure we get to this place, right, Rob? Because I wanted people to hear your testimony, but I also wanted people to hear the transitions that you've made because you and I've talked enough about it and you've been involved in a small group ministry for the last two years or so, three maybe? This is the third year I of this so. one. I've, I've done several other small groups. We had uh, we had some other small groups that went a year, uh, two years that, that I had led. But I'm a firm believer that, that God's plan for our church is – a small group ministries because that's how he shared God's tr- truth to the to the world he lived in yeah. was through house church and that's essentially what we have in small group is home church and uh, it's just been a, a blessing our my church uh, is totally uh, set in small group ministries we have about 80 small groups in our church which is pretty amazing we um, we believe that community has grown and the outreach of what we're called to do is better done in small group and i've been uh, like i said this this group that i'm with now just uh, we've got 20 rough roughly 20 uh 
members that attend pretty much every week, and it is just really a blessing. I think one of the things that, that lets you realize when you get in a small group, you realize that everybody there has problems. Mm-hmm. You realize everybody there needs each other. You realize that everybody there is fighting the same demons that you fight and maybe some different ones that you had never had to fight. And that ministry there is incredible. It, it, it's open doors for, I call, we call our, our small group, we call family. Yeah. Because we get together and there's nothing that won't go on the table in our small group. <laughs> but when we, when we put it on the table, it stays in that small group. We do not take it outside those walls of that small group. And, but we minister to each other. We lift each other up. We pray for each other. We help each other. We're doing a fundraiser for, for one of our small group members that has really severe health issues right now. And it's just a blessing to be able to do that on a level that you see God's work in, in, that, yeah. in that small group. Yeah. When I think of small groups, <clears throat> Uh, I think of three areas that are essential, and usually you major on one of these. Now, there may be others, but fellowship is obvious. When, when I say fellowship, what you've talked about, caring for one another, helping one another, accountability to one another, those are all involved. Bible study, uh, the Bible being uh, the main part of it. But there's another group, that, a purpose that I believe sometimes is missing. And that's mission. Mission. Um, Nathan and I were at a church, and we wanted to start small groups. We felt like, yes, we had a Sunday school groups, but yet God laid on my heart, uh, we need to do more because people are so busy these days going to little league ball games, going to uh, the scouts, going to uh, you know ballet practice, gymnastics, and everything else that. Oh, if we're not careful, the church just takes up their time meeting and and not doing anything. So we started small groups, and yes, fellowship was a part of it. Bible study was a part of it, but we tried to make the main reason was mission. mission. Find out something that you can do. And in doing that, we had a lot of those lives completely changed. Yeah, for sure. But small groups, Nathan— yeah. you, I well, mean, what you're saying, most small groups operate on a on a two-dimensional plane. On one end, you can almost think of it as a scale. On one end of the scale is biblical fellowship. On the other end of the scale is biblical study. Um, and which are both good. They're both yeah. good. And most small groups, even churches, lean toward one side or the other. And that's okay. There's no problem with that. Um, some people are at parts of their life where they need that fellowship more. Some people are at places in their life where they need that Bible study more. Um and so, but what's happening is if, if you go between just those two, biblical study, biblical fellowship, you're, you're kind of flat after mm-hmm. a while, and, and you need a third dimension to bring it into real life, and that's that biblical mission. And I believe if churches, if small groups would lead with the mission and then incorporate those other two that are probably already there, they would become more well-rounded and more effective 
as a, as a small group. And that's what we that's what we do. Uh, we've we've actually uh, our small group in particular is, is fed the homeless mm. through helping hands. You know, we've we've looked for opportunities to uh, to get out there and do things. Yeah. But you know something we found, and we were sitting there searching for different missions to to do, and this member that we're has having such health trouble that's in our small group needs help. We almost feel like we've been put together to help her through this time. She has been Definitely. she has been just destroyed by issues and health both. You know, we're talking about changing uh, an individual, changing the focus of ministry, not leaving ministry, but God using their gifts, their heart to change the focus. Small groups could do that as well. Even churches. Uh, churches but it's easier for a small group because they're smaller. They're smaller. You can move, move them quicker. But I've observed this, and you guys may want or not want to respond because it's kind of dangerous. I've seen churches in transitional neighborhoods try to keep on doing what they've done forever. And, and preaching the gospel, you want to, but they're trying to preach the gospel to the same people they'd always preached to the same way, and and their neighborhood around them is completely different. Uh, I, I've thought of this. Why don't you, the money that you got in the bank, why don't you spend it on making the transition? Because in place of just spending your money, keeping on paying that pastor to help bury you as you're dying. Now, that, that's pretty bold that I said that. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll let probably, you say it. I said it, and I made a lot of people angry. But I do believe that small group is so, so important. One other thing, you bring some people with you in a small group. It's hard to do that as pastoring 500 people or 1,000 people that you bring them along. But in a small group, that discipleship takes place. And in what you do, like you did about the, the bikers, you could leave because you had three other guys that were there. When God gets you ready to change small groups or go to another way, if you if we've done what we should, we've left somebody there that takes up the slack and don't even miss you. We're sitting there looking right now. Is uh, we try to run in a three year in- increment, uh, and then the leader will take a break and someone else will pick it up. And right now we're in that that you know who is going to pick it up? Who do who in our group feels? like they're called to lead the small group. And, uh, and sometimes that's a, that's a pretty good step for people to step out, right. of, their, out of their comfort zone Definitely. And, and take over that. So uh, it hadn't been clear. Uh, I may decide to, to stay on another year. I may not. I'm, I'm still praying about that. But our, our church is very much uh, oriented in the fact that we should grow down deep, in the roots of God's word, and then branch out into the community, and that's what it's. That's what the small group does, and I'm, I'm just thankful to have been in it and uh, a member of it all this time. Our guest today has been Rob Gardner. Uh, Rob works here at AFR and been here ten years now, right at it, and just as a blessing. And it's a pleasure to have him on exploring missions. And Nathan. Uh, we would really encourage people to be involved in a small group, fellowship, Bible study, and missions. Don't leave the missions out. Don't leave the missions out. Don't try to do it on your own and be rooted in God's Word. Amen. Hey, today's program is just for some of you that needed to hear it. We pray that you'll take what you've heard, that you'd let God apply it to your life, 
and let him use it for his glory. Again, thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on American Family Radio. And tell someone about Jesus, whether it's across the street or around the world.